Hi, thanks for listening. In 20 seconds or less, I wanted to ask if you would consider supporting the show with a one-time donation of $1 to $3. The funds go to subscription fees, equipment upkeep, and a general sense of well-being. Links in the show notes. And again, thanks for listening. Okay, on with the show. Chapter 15 Walter Jeffries, he preferred just Walt, drove his old-style school bus down the two-lane. He looked around and smiled. The cloudless sky beamed blue down all over him. He loved days like this, when it wasn't too hot or cold, and it just seemed like something good was going to happen. As he bounced along, The breeze blew in and caressed his face through the graying mustache and goatee. Matching colored shoulder-length hair whipped around his head. As the bus crested a rise in the highway, he saw a sign that said, Scenic Overlook. Thinking it was too nice a day to waste driving, Walt drove the bus into the turnout and parked. He cranked the lever that opened the sliding door. Jumping from behind the wheel, he grabbed his chaise lounge. On the way out, he mashed a button on his MP3 player that was connected to the bus's stereo. No Woman, No Cry started to play as he went around to the front of the bus and climbed up on the hood. He hauled himself up on top of the roof and opened up his chaise lounge. He stood there a moment and took in the view. The green valley stretched out before him and met the blue sky at the horizon. Well, all right, he said as he reached for the Ziploc bag in the pocket of his Hawaiian shirt and plopped down in his lounge. A minute later, with the blunt lit and smoldering nicely, Walt basked in the sun to the dulcet tones of Bob Marley. Walt slept in his chaise, his mouth hung slightly open, a light snore emitted. Occasionally, his head would loll to one side or the other. Could-be-loved drifted from the bus. A noise beneath the music sounded in the distance, and Walt woke up. He looked around, unsure of where he was for a second. He rubbed his face and listened. There was no mistaking the sound. Under the song's rhythms, the throaty warble of a car's engine could be heard approaching. Nicole and Sam rounded a bend in the road and ascended the incline. They passed the scenic overlook sign and saw a bus parked in the turnout. Nicole slowed the car and gripped the wheel nervously. Sam leaned forward and pointed. Look, he said. I see it, Nicole said. There's a guy on top of that bus. I think he's waving at us, Sam said. I see him, Sam. Nicole said, her voice sharp and harsh. She slowed the car further and stopped at the entrance to the turnout. The engine idled as Nicole stared through the windshield at the man on the bus. Sam watched as he started jumping and waving his arms frantically. When Nicole did not immediately pull into the turnout, Sam looked over at her. "'Aren't you going to pull in?' he said. "'We don't know this guy. He could be—' 
You know, a weirdo, Nicole said. Sam turned back to look at the man again. The man's hair flopped up and down, and he looked like he was doing half-ass jumping jacks as he tried to get their attention. Yeah, well, he does look weird, but not in a dangerous way. We should at least check it out. Maybe he needs our help, Sam said, not taking his eyes off the man on the bus. Nicole gripped her steering wheel and debated turning in. On the bus roof, the man was shouting, Hey, over here, man! Sam looked back over at Nicole. He definitely sees us. It would be rude not to at least say hi, Sam said. Well, we can't be rude then, can we? Nicole said, her voice slathered in sarcasm. She turned the wheel and eased into the turnout. Seeing them approach, the man hauled himself down from the front of the bus to the ground. Nicole unsnapped the guards on her shoulder holsters. Look sharp, Sam. We don't know what this guy's up to, Nicole said as she brought the car to a stop. She looked over at Sam to get confirmation he heard her, but no sooner had the car stopped than Sam bounded out the door and went running up to the bus. Damn it, Sam, she said to the empty seat beside her. She reached for a pistol as she watched the man, who looked to her like an old hippie, jog up to Sam with his hand stuck out. On his face was a big, goofy grin. She watched in disgust as the two shook hands in the middle of nowhere, like long-lost friends. The two exchanged some words she couldn't hear, and then she saw Sam point back at her. She watched Sam turn and look at her and gesture impatiently for her to get out. She sat still for a moment more, taking the time to look behind her and around the bus. Seemingly not satisfied with her progress, Sam called out, Nicole, meet Walt. He wants to know if we're hungry. Isn't that great? Sam said. Nicole rolled her eyes and, against her better judgment, shut off the engine. She climbed out of the GTO, but before she walked over, she grabbed her rifle from the back and slung it barrel down across her back. She did not approach. Sam, can I talk to you for a second? She said. What is it? Sam said. Over here, she said, losing her patience. Sam looked at Walt. Just a second, Walt, Sam said, and trotted over. Sure, man, Walt said, as he watched Sam go to Nicole. When Sam got to her, Nicole spoke in low tones. Damn it, Sam, you're being stupid. This guy could be anybody. Sam looked back at Walt, who stood waiting and looking. What do you mean, Nick? Nicole cut him off. The bus, for instance. How do you know it isn't full of guys just waiting to jump us, you know? She said. To Nicole's amazement, Sam's response to this was to turn to Walt and ask him, Hey, Walt, you got anybody in that bus wants to jump us? Walt laughed a goofy laugh. Nah, man, it's just me. I ain't dangerous, he said. Sam looked back at Nicole as if that defense was airtight. Nicole squeezed her eyes tight and pinched the bridge of her nose. Regaining some sense of calm, she looked over at the man calling himself Walt. Well, how do you know we aren't dangerous, you know? She said. Walt's smile faded. Well, are you dangerous? He said. Nicole couldn't believe how this conversation was going, but before she had any more time to think about it, Sam responded. Nah, we ain't dangerous either. We're going to Colorado, he said. 
The smile on Walt's face returned. Well, all right then. Come on. I've got fruit smoothies, man, Walt said as he waved them on, turning towards his bus. Sam bounded away towards the bus. Nicole shook her head and tromped after them. By the time Nicole climbed the steps into the bus, Walt and Sam were fully involved. She took in the scene. The back of the bus was packed with coolers of various sizes. There were coolers in the aisles stacked against the back door. The last six rows of seats on either side all had coolers in them. Walt was giddy as he was showing Sam. Fresh food is hard to come by these days, man, so I've had to stock up on the frozen, you know, he said. Walt gestured to his coolers. Each cooler had a label, identifying its contents scrawled in black marker. I don't usually share my stash with anybody, you know, times being what they are. Limited resources, you know what I'm saying, he said, scratching his chin. Of course, that hasn't exactly been a problem, seeing as how there hasn't been anybody to share with for a while, man, he said, then chuckled. Sam was impressed. This is awesome, Walt. You know, before Nicole saved my ass, I had some fruit trees. It's important to eat healthy, Sam said. Walt nodded in agreement. Nicole stood towards the front, all but forgotten for the moment. Yeah, so like I was saying, you're the first people I've seen in, like, forever, man. So, you know, it's a special occasion. So, definitely some smoothies are what we should do, he said. Sam turned to Nicole. What kind of smoothie do you want, Nicole? He's got everything, he said. Nicole glared at Sam and called him over with her eyes. Sam went over as Walt started popping lids off various coolers. Nicole again spoke in hushed tones to Sam. Sam, I don't think we ought to be hanging with some guy we don't even know, let alone eating his food, she said. Sam looked back over at Walt, who was arranging the coolers for better access. I've got everything you want here, man. Raspberries, strawberries. Oh, man, I forgot about this. Papaya, Walt said, seizing the frozen bag of fruit. Turning with a big smile, he held up a frozen package. Lost in his joy, he turned back to the coolers and continued the tour. I've got some of those power inverters, you know. Plugged one into the cigarette lighter, and it lets me run my extractor. It's pretty righteous, you know, because the cigarette lighter is meant for cigarettes, which can kill you, but I use it to make fruit smoothies, which, you know, can help you live longer. Nicole stared at Walt's back as he busied himself with his coolers. She looked back at Sam as he tried to reassure her. We've been on the road all morning. It might be nice to stop and take a break. But it's up to you. You want a bolt? I'm with you, Sam said. She was about to say something when Walt turned around. Walt looked at Sam. Hey, man, is she shy or something? He said. Nicole turned on Walt. I'm not shy, she said, feeling her face flush. She turned to go. I'll be outside, Sam she said, then tromped out of the bus. Oh, okay, man, Walt said. He turned and looked at his coolers. So, what's it going to be? Name your poison. That was a joke, you know, because it's organic, Walt said. Nicole stood outside the bus and surveyed the scene before her. Walt had stuck a beach umbrella in the ground. Under that were a folding table and a chair. Frustration continued to eat at her. Time here was time wasted. They should be making miles, not burning daylight. She turned and was about to tell Sam they needed to go when the loud whine of Walt's extractor shut her down. 
In a huff, she plopped down in the chair. A few minutes later, Walt and Sam emerged from the bus. Walt carried an orange strawberry smoothie. Sam had a strawberry raspberry in one hand and a pineapple orange in the other. They set them down on the table. Oh, right, man, let me get two more chairs, Walt said, and then disappeared back in the bus. Sam pushed the pineapple orange in front of Nicole as Walt emerged and set up two more folding chairs. From his pocket, he produced three straws. There you go, man, he said as he handed out the straws. Walt and Sam unwrapped their straws and stuck them in. Both took deep draws on their smoothies, their faces revealing their pleasure. Nicole glared off in the distance. Nature's candy, Walt said, as he and Sam clinked glasses. You should try these, Nicole. They're amazing, Sam said. After several seconds, Nicole turned around and stared at the frosty concoction. Fine, she said, and ripped the paper off her straw, jammed it through the lid, and took a long pull. Sam and Walt stared at her. They were motionless as they awaited the verdict. Nicole saw them staring at her and looked away. It's good, she said begrudgingly. Walt and Sam were all smiles. All right, Walt said. All three sat in silence, enjoying the fruity goodness. This makes me homesick for my island, man, Walt said. Sam's interest piqued. You own an island? he said. Walt laughed. I don't own it, man. I just live there. It's in the Hawaiian island chain, you know. Not one of the known ones. It's too little for that. But it's still nice. Very tropical. I run a bar on it. Locals, fishermen, tourists in the know come by. I sell my smoothies. And other drinks and stuff, you know, Walt said. What are you doing here, then? Sam said. It's been a long time since I seen the mainland, you know, so I took a vacation and bought this old bus. I figured I would drive around for a while, see the states, he said. Nicole huffed. Your timing was perfect, she said. Walt shook his head and his smile faded. Ain't that the truth, he said. The three sat in silence and finished their smoothies, thinking about their lives before, but not feeling up to reliving them in conversation. Nicole pushed her empty glass away and stood. Thanks for the drink, uh, Walt, but we really need to get going. Sam, she said. Nicole started to leave. I'm just going to help Walt clean up, Sam said. Just make it quick, Nicole said as she headed back to the car. Nicole sat behind the wheel, engine running, waiting on Sam. A few minutes later, Sam got in and Nicole put the GTO in drive. She was about to pull out when Walt pulled up in his bus. Thanks for the invite, man. It was getting pretty lonely till you guys came along, Walt said. Nicole glared at Sam. What's he talking about, Sam? What invite? She said. Sam looked sheepishly at Nicole. I told him we were going to Colorado, that your father was there and it was safe. I might have invited him to come along with us. Sam said. Nicole's mouth dropped open, and her eyes darted from Sam to Walt and back. Sam, we're not running a charity here. We've got to make miles, not pick up strays, she said. Sam hung his head. I'm sorry. I just thought, you know, he needed our help. I mean, you came back for me when I needed it, so... Sam's words trailed off. I'll go tell him he can't come with us, Sam said as he reached for the door handle. Nicole fumed and looked ahead. Sam had one foot out the door when she caved. Look, he can come, all right? 
but he's got to keep up, okay? He better not slow us down. You got me? Nicole said. Sam pulled the door closed and smiled. He won't, I promise, Sam said. He turned and waved at Walt, who beamed back. We got us a convoy, man, Walt said. Nicole let out another long sigh, knowing it probably wouldn't be her last, and drove out of the turnout. Behind them, Walt's big bus lumbered along. Chapter 16 It was a sad reality, but a reality nonetheless. As much as the dead fed off the living, the living were forced to live off the dead. It made what remained a double-edged sword. Every scene that was tragic in its aftermath was also another opportunity for those left behind. In the last days of the apocalypse, when the old order still tried to maintain a semblance of control, survivors in Little Bend decided they were not going to be controlled anymore. En masse, hundreds of citizens, driven by anger, panic, and the overpowering will to live, flooded out of the city. The armed checkpoint just outside the city limits did what they were ordered to do in such a situation. The unstoppable force met the immovable object, and the result was strewn all over the outbound lanes of the I-70. The fifty calibers and small arms fire chewed up vehicles and citizenry. The onslaught of vehicles, driven by citizens determined not to stop, demolished military vehicles and mowed down soldiers. The wreckage of the incident, both mechanical and biological, fell where they collided. It was a tragedy, and Nicole Bennett was grateful. Certainly not for the loss of life, but for the resources such remains provided. She slowed the GTO and surveyed the field of destruction, then looked down at her gas gauge. It indicated she still had a quarter of a tank, but that was below her comfort zone by three quarters. Signal Walt, we're going to stop here and do some siphoning, she said. Sam nodded and leaned out his window. He waved his arms at Walt, who slowed the bus. The westbound lanes leading into Little Bend were relatively clear, save for the wreckage that had spilled over from the eastbound lanes. Nicole parked and she and Sam got out. Walt pulled up behind and the bus lurched to a stop. Nicole opened her trunk and grabbed the gas cans and hand pumps she got from the supercenter. She looked at Walt. How you doing on gas? she said. I'm down to about half a tank, Walt said. Nicole nodded. Sam and I will take care of the gas, but I need you to keep a lookout while we're doing it, cool? We don't need any surprises, she said. Walt bobbed his head. You're coming in loud and clear, man. I'll get on top of my bus. Should have a pretty good bird's eye of the whole area from up there, Walt said. Nicole nodded and she and Sam set to work as Walt climbed up the front of his bus and stood on the roof. The work was slow going. Many of the gas tanks were ruptured from collisions or ripped apart by gunfire. The GTO was tapped off in short order, but Walt's bus had a huge tank, and it took a lot of looking and siphoning to fill it. They had to wander far from the bus, which made return trips with full cans a laborious process. On their last trip, Nicole and Sam were nearly at their physical limits. Fatigue kept their heads down as they carried full five-gallon gas cans the hundred yards back to the bus. As they approached, movement caught Nicole's eye and she looked up. On the roof of the bus, Walt was doing his jumping jacks. Only this time, 
it did not look like he was trying to welcome anybody. Nicole froze in her tracks and dropped her gas can. Sam, drop your can and run to the bus, she said. Sam, who straggled a good ten yards behind her and was just trying to muscle through, did not hear her. Nicole turned and looked behind her. In the distance and heading their way was a horde of little Ben's hungriest. Sam, oblivious to all but the pain in his arms, still did not notice. Nicole did her own jumping jacks as she tried to get his attention. When her calisthenics failed, Nicole looked around for something to throw at him. Finding only the flotsam and jetsam of those previously trying to flee, she ripped off a pair of sunglasses from a dried-out husk of a corpse and tossed them at Sam. They bounced off Sam's chest, and he looked up. His face fell as he saw first Walt jumping up and down on the roof of his bus and then Nicole pointing behind him. Sam turned to look and saw the horde in the distance. He dropped his can and flew by Nicole on his way to the bus. He was already on the hood making his way to the roof by the time Nicole turned to run after him. Nicole, Sam, and Walt stood on the roof of the bus and saw what was coming. How many do you think there are, man? Walt said. Too many to count, but it looks to be about a hundred, Nicole said, looking behind her. We could go back the way we came, you know, outrun them in our vehicles, Sam said, trying to pick up on Nicole's thoughts. After a moment, Nicole shook her head. We would burn precious gas. We could try shooting them all, but that would definitely alert them to us. And if we don't get them all before they get too close, they'll overrun us. Walt said, finishing Nicole's thoughts for her. Guys, Sam said. Walt and Nicole did not seem to hear her. Guys, Sam said, flinching at the sound of his own voice, which came out louder than he intended. Nicole and Walt turned to see Sam laying flat on his back. Lay down and be very quiet, he said. Nicole and Walt took his meaning and hurried on to their backs next to him. Seconds later, the vanguard of the Army of the Dead began to shuffle around and pass the bus. Nicole, Sam, and Walt held their breath and tried not to move a muscle. Nicole stared up at the sky, holding her rifle to her chest. She could not risk turning her head right or left to see the progress of the dead. She cursed her lack of foresight that allowed her to lie on her back instead of her stomach, which would have permitted her to see the progress of the horde, or given her more of a warning should they try to climb the bus to their position. As it was, all she could do was stare at the sky and listen. There was the smell, of course. There was always the smell. The slow, rhythmical sound of feet shuffling on asphalt increased in intensity as the dead approached. They did not look around or investigate. The dead just pushed forward, seeking whatever meal they literally ran into or had the misfortune to run into them. As they approached the bus, their numbers parted like a trickle of water running down the hill and hitting a pebble. Soon the bus was an island in a sea of shufflers. Intermingled with the sound of their shuffling feet were their groans. Nicole squeezed her eyes shut and tried to block out the sound, but it echoed in her head. She wondered why the dead moaned like they did. Was there some vestige of memory or personality left in them? Was their vocalization some attempt to call out to the living and tell them some part of their humanity remained. As the cacophony grew in volume, Nicole dismissed that thought. The sound was nothing she had ever heard a human make. It did not sound like reaching out, 
the dark tones rooted in their hunger. Nicole decided that if the pure desire to rip and consume and never be satisfied had a sound, it was that sound. To entertain thoughts that there was some humanity left in them might temper her resolve when it came down to destroying them, and she dismissed the notion completely. The bus was big, and so did not rock or move under their onslaught, but she could hear them rub against it as they passed. Had they been completely rotted, they would not have been able to move, so the flesh they had, while being in an advanced stage of decay, was still soft. Soft, in their case, meant wet. The dead had no thoughts of preservation, so they bumped and dragged themselves along. Whatever they hit would rip and tear at them. Their progress was marked by a viscous trail that was left behind on anything they touched. It also meant that shuffling and moaning were not all Nicole heard. Squishing wet tissue, tearing and sliding off their bodies as they met sharp or unyielding edges, joined the chorus. Nicole lost track of time, and minutes seemed like hours. Yet still the smell and sounds of the dead coursed below them. At any moment, Nicole expected them to smell her, to investigate this obstruction in their path that split their numbers. If even one of them mounted the bus and climbed to where they were, its moans would signal to the other there was a meal to be had. Nicole, Sam, and Walt would be pressed into action and be forced to start shooting. Shooting! Nicole and Sam had their guns, but she had not given one to Walt yet. They had a hundred rounds between them, but the rest was in the car. Even if they had made every shot count, she doubted it would be enough to eliminate the threat now encompassing them. She assailed herself anew with recriminations. Once again, she was in a situation that was the result of a failure to plan. What good did it do to have the guns and ammunition if she was not in a position to use them? She almost screamed in frustration, mentally punishing herself for taking actions rooted more in panic than forethought. Not again, Nicole. You burned another of those nine lives you don't have. Get your shit together! Nicole pushed down her anger and tried to control her breathing. After what seemed an eternity, the sound of shuffling and moaning began to fade. When it was almost indiscernible in the distance, she risked sitting up. She turned and looked behind her and saw only the backs of the dead disappearing down the highway. Seeing her sit up, Sam and Walt did the same, all breathing a collective sigh of relief. Walt, you're going to start carrying more in the back of your bus than frozen fruit, understand? Nicole said, before standing and bounding off the bus. Walt stared after her. Okay. Wait, what do you mean, man? Walt said, but Nicole was already gone. Human. Extinction level 1.5. 